Hello and welcome to another episode of the Generosity Freak Show. I'm your host, Brady Josephson, and today we have the chance to hear from Una Osili. She's the Associate Dean for Research and International Programs at the Lilly Family School of Philanthropy, and she also helps lead the research and publication of Giving USA, an annual report on American philanthropy going back more than 50 years. And that's actually why we have her on today to talk about the latest Giving USA report that was uh, released just a few weeks ago. In the conversation, uh, we talk about some of the key points. For example, individual giving was down and as a percentage of overall giving was below 70%, which is uh, pretty rare. So talked about some of the factors that went into that, including the stock market, the economy and changes to the tax code, uh, what that means and what it means for the future. Uh, Una also helps unpack whether or not you should look at the inflation adjusted or the current dollars in the report, which was really interesting. And then we also just take a look at some underlying factors, uh, year end and other things that maybe contributed to the results and the growth of certain subsectors or uh, corporations and foundations. So I hope you uh, enjoyed the conversation. Uh, Una is brilliant uh, and has led a lot of this research. So we're very, very thankful for her, both for the research, but then also taking the time to come on the show and share with us. So I hope you enjoyed the conversation. And thanks, as always, for listening. Welcome to the Freak Show, here we go It's just another Freak Show, here we go I said welcome to the Freak Show, here we go It's just another Freak Show, here we go Welcome to the Freak Show, here we go It's just another Freak Show, here we go Welcome to the Freak Show, here we go It's just another Freak Show, here we go Hi, Una. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I know it's been a busy couple of weeks for you. The Giving USA report was recently released. So uh, that's what we want to talk about. So let's just dive in. Um, before we get into kind of the, the key specific points or some of the things that I thought was interesting, and I'd love to hear some of the things that you found were interesting, can you just share a little bit of background on this report and kind of why it's important? Yes, I'd love to. Giving USA, uh, as some of you may know, is the longest running and most comprehensive report on philanthropy. It dates back to the 1950s, 1956. It's a joint project, so it's a true collaboration between the Giving Institute, the Giving USA Foundation, and the Indiana University Lilly Family School of Philanthropy. And it's a unique resource in the sense that it's been collected over time and to mm-hmm. provide an overview of American philanthropy, what it looks like today, but where we've been in terms of past uh, giving patterns and also gives us a, a bit of an insight into how philanthropy is changing and what it means for all of us in the nonprofit sector. Awesome. Yeah, and it's it's really unique. You know, I've been fortunate to travel around to a few different countries and talk and discuss philanthropy, and they're always jealous by the fact that we have this report that goes back so far because they're like, we're just starting to track this now, you know? So we have so much history in the States on giving, which is awesome. Exactly. Um, exactly. So. When it comes to maybe interpreting, I mean, you guys do a great job of kind of simplifying it, but um, what is kind of most important to look at? I know there's like current dollars adjusted for inflation dollars. You know, are you looking at an individual year? Should you look over kind of a couple years growth period? Can you just maybe give us a couple high level tips uh, for people who are going to go and download the report before we get into the specifics? Giving USA provides a bit of both. And uh, what I like to say is that uh, if you are someone who is looking at planning and sort of longer term 
picture uh, view of giving, it might be helpful to use the inflation-adjusted numbers because they allow us to compare what giving looks like today compared to, say, the 1980s or 1990s. But when, uh, for some folks in the nonprofit sector who are interested in perhaps just a shorter-term trends than the nominal, uh, the year-over-year numbers without the inflation adjustments can be important too. So what I tend to say in terms of advice is giving USA does both. It allows you to look over time and hence uh, because a dollar is uh, certainly a dollar today is not the same as a dollar in 1950 or 1960. So you want to uh, keep that apples to apples comparison and use inflation adjusted numbers. But for those annual changes, perhaps fundraisers who are comparing their um, experiences with the national trends, uh, then perhaps the uh, year over year uh, non-adjusted uh, figures could also be helpful. And Giving USA is certainly one of many resources that uh, fundraisers and nonprofit leaders can turn to. Uh, what's very encouraging today is that there are many data sources that are becoming available, as you said, and the United States has been a leader in this field in providing both those high-level aggregate trends, but then the sectors that uh, nonprofits might be in, whether that's healthcare, education, arts and culture, the environment, looking at mm -hmm. patterns within those sectors can also be very useful. Yeah, and I really liked how you pulled in a bunch of different data sources in this report later on, whether it's from, you know, BlackBot or MNR or other kind of more or a fundraising effectiveness project to kind of round out the data set or maybe get more granular. I thought that was a great uh, piece of the report as well. So thanks for explaining that. I've never actually had someone uh, kind of explain the difference or when to use them. So that's useful. Um, all right. So getting into the report, I mean, there's tons of different data points, uh, and I'm sure we could spend all day talking about this. But the the big kind of key takeaway that is in the report and obviously leaps off the page is the uh, decrease in giving from individuals. Uh, I think it was the first time in 50 years where individuals didn't comprise at least 70 percent of giving. Um, is is that a big deal? And, and what are some of the reasons behind it, uh, do you think? It's worth uh, emphasizing that uh, 2018 was indeed a complex year. It wasn't a simple year to unpack all the trends. I think one big takeaway for me uh, from the report is that American individuals and organizations certainly continue to give very generously, but the climate was far, far more complex in 2018. Mm. than in previous years. And that's because there were three factors that were working in some ways in different uh, directions with some competing factors. First, there was a strong economy. GDP grew. Um, disposable personal income also grew. I should say I'm an economist. So the economy is certainly <laughs> something we know plays a big role in charitable giving. But then there were shifts in tax policy and that also affected incentives for Americans to give. And then finally, the stock market was more volatile in 2018 than in previous years. And so if you combine those three factors together, what you have is that individual giving, which, as you noted, used to comprise over 70% of giving, certainly, and in some, in the night cities, even higher, as high as 85% of giving fell. Um, but total giving to all charities was $427 billion, which is still a very significant number. 
and charitable giving overall did rise uh, roughly 0.7% in current dollars and adjusted for inflation a slight decline of 1.7%. So to unpack these um, influences, in other words, the strong economy, which we included a 5% increase in disposable personal income, as well as the stock market decline in 2018, which may have had a dampening effect. So it's hard to say how much can we attribute to each of these factors, but we know that together they led to a much more complex environment for giving. Yeah, and, and can you maybe share a, a little bit more, uh, like kind of how the markets, in particular, maybe in, influence giving? Because I think um, you know, if, if you follow these reports a lot, uh, we know that you know, f- more or less, giving kind of mimics uh, the market, maybe with a little bit of a lag. But I think what stood out this year is the volatility of the market created maybe like a, a greater sense of unpredictability in in the donor's mind, even if the markets turned out okay in the end, because it was so up and down, you know, maybe the, the perce- perception uh, was, was reality in that they felt, oh, this maybe isn't going to end well. So they held on to their money, whereas if it was more stable, they're more likely to give. Is that kind of true? Or how does this kind of dynamic work um, either at a, at a macro level or even maybe this year, if you can explain a bit more? Right. At a macro level, what we've seen is that the stock market has a a significant influence on charitable giving, uh, primarily because people give not just out of their incomes, but out of their wealth and out of their financial wealth. And secondly, because households give when they have a sense of economic and financial security. And Mm -hmm. one way to measure that sense of security is the volatility in the stock market. Uh, Certainly a third factor to keep in mind is that uncertainty. Uh, can be a deterrent to giving. If there's uh, a lot of volatility, households may wait until conditions become more stable before making especially large giving decisions. Having said that, yes, 2018 um, is worth uh, looking at more closely because there was a lot of volatility in the last um, few months of the year and Mm -hmm. especially at the end of the year, December, and the year actually ended slightly down. So, that having that type of uh, fluctuation at the end of the year in in the giving season uh, may have had a dampening effect overall on giving. And it's hard for people to kind of remember that. But because we studied this so closely, we were able to compare conditions in 2018 Mm. to 2017. And 2017 had a very different environment where the stock market had record growth at the end of the year during the giving season which may have provided a more conducive climate for giving especially large gifts. Yeah, and I think that's a really uh, key point. Um, I I was recently at a conference and there was this whole panel on year-end giving because for the most part, everyone's year-end giving was down or significantly down. And one of the big factors was, I think it was about maybe the second week in December, there was a sharp decline uh, in the stock market and that's you know prime giving season. So all these things about security and uncertainty arose at a very inopportune time for most organizations when they're sending out their appeals and running these you know large campaigns. Um, and so that would have a huge impact on on the individual giving as well. So that's a really key point on the year end side of things. Um, the other factor that you mentioned was was the tax, uh, and I know that's something that. For the most part, it seems like we're not entirely sure uh, exactly what it means because it's still kind of relatively new. But I know in the report, 
there's some kind of projections or estimates like the Tax Policy Center uh, projected maybe a 5% decline in giving uh, over the next kind of 10, 20 years. Wharton School of Business did a similar projection. Um, do you kind of agree with those projections? Uh, what do you think the impact of tax either has had or will have uh, looking forward, if, if you can? Yes. Yeah, so one of the benefits really of working on this topic is that over the past few years, there have been a number of studies that have looked at the impact of tax reform on charitable giving. And as you know, said, the results do vary. Some of them show smaller impacts uh, of tax reform on giving, others show a larger impact. One thing that they do agree on, however, is that uh, the shift in tax policy, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, TCJA, led to a shift in the number of Americans, both individuals and households, who itemized on their tax returns. And this is because, as you know, with the increase in the standard deduction, there'll be many more Americans that will simply take the standard deduction and not itemize on their charitable, on their tax returns. And so in terms of numbers, prior to tax reform, in 2016, we had about 45 million Americans itemizing. And the projection suggests that we will have going forward in 2018, uh, about 16 to 20 million households itemizing. Um, and so that means that only about 10% of Americans will itemize uh, an estimate. And that means, of course, that the itemizers are the ones who will mostly get the benefit from their charitable giving. So what research tells us is that with fewer households itemizing, fewer households have those tax-based incentives to give, which affects the amounts that they give and also the timing of their gifts and um, potentially also the vehicles that they use. And the uh, impact of tax reform is going to vary depending on how responsive consumers right. are to those shifts. And economists do debate that question. Are, are Americans very sensitive to the price of giving, the tax incentives that they have, or are they not? And I think what the research does show, though, is that taxes aren't the only reason that Americans give, but they certainly affect the amount. So the research is, is somewhat, there is a consensus that uh, the, there will be an impact, the size of that impact. I think you're correct in saying we uh, still have to wait and see because some households are still um, figuring this out. Uh, some right. have already made their adjustments and others are still sort of developing a giving strategy that will be linked to the new types of incentives they face. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's it's interesting. There's kind of, you know, two things, at least on our side, when we've kind of ran experiments or explored the impact of tax. And we normally focus on kind of broad-based donors, $1,000 and under. And, you know, the the tax change, for the most part, doesn't actually impact them in terms of itemizing or not. But there's still a perception that the tax receipt and the tax code is beneficial. So even just the change in tax, again, the perception of it impacting them has some role, even though we kind of know that it's really not that important for those types of donors. But the other kind of underlying trend that uh, was um, outlined in the report was this idea that there'll be an even greater shift now to more money coming from larger donors, which has been a, a, an underlying trend for a few years um, where there's fewer households giving, but the people who do give are giving more. And that's why we continue to grow. Um, do you think that the tax will kind of, or, or where we're headed, is that a trend that will continue? And will the tax potentially make that even worse or that, that um, trend even greater? 
Yeah, those are all very good observations and points. Uh, we have a separate project called the Philanthropy Panel Study that tracks American households and their giving rates. We've been conducting this study since 2000, and um, the data is all available on generosityforlife.org. So uh, if you're interested and your readers are interested, viewers are interested, they can also um, check that website out. And mm -hmm. on that, from that data, over time, we've seen that the fraction of Americans who participate, which was very stable for uh, the years prior to the Great Recession, so between 2000 and mm -hmm. 2008, about two-thirds of Americans gave, and it didn't really change year to year. And so, so uh, beginning around the time of the Great Recession, we saw a dip in charitable giving, um, and that really has not recovered. And so now we're down to about 55% of Americans who give, so still a majority. And in fact, we always say more Americans give than vote and almost any other civic uh, uh, engagement opportunity. Mm. But going forward, there is a concern that uh, if tax-based uh, incentives are less available and fewer Americans are benefiting from them, and those are the very same Americans that have been impacted by the Great Recession, some of them have been fully recovered. We also mm. have the issue of younger Americans. Many of them are just starting their economic and financial lives. They're starting their first jobs. Others are becoming established in their jobs. If they're growing up in an environment right. where there aren't those incentives to give and those opportunities to give, that may also influence our overall giving culture and um, people forming those kinds of uh, linkages in terms of charitable giving. Right. Yeah, it's it's uh, there's so many different factors coming in there. You know, as as someone who again our work is very focused on individuals and kind of the lower level donors. When I read this report and look at these other kind of studies, it it feels a little discouraging to be honest. You know, kind of basically since 2008, which was very discouraging obviously. You know, it it doesn't doesn't seem that great or this is one of the more discouraging reports. Am I just being, you know, pessimistic or like what are some of the positives coming out of here? I'm an optimistic person, so I will say that I always look for the, <laughs> the bright side of the news. And I think Giving USA has a lot that we can celebrate as well, in addition to noting these areas of concern. I'll start with sort of the big picture first. The overall giving number is still something that uh, is worth noting in terms of $427 billion. That's larger than the entire economies of many countries. So the United States right. still has one of the largest and most complex charitable sectors. Um, I think it's also worth noting that foundations and uh, corporations had much stronger growth rates, and that also reflects the overall economy. Uh, foundations grew, um, and they've ha they had strong years in 2017 as well. So both giving by foundations um, had a, a record year reaching its highest ever dollar amount, even after adjusting for inflation. And it's now 18% of giving. Similarly, giving by corporations also had very solid growth. When we look at the areas and the subsectors, we also find that international affairs and the environment were two of the strongest performing hmm. subsectors. Um, and in fact, giving to the environment and animals reached an all-time high, which is quite interesting because these are also subsectors that younger Americans tend to support and have right. gotten a lot of attention recently, the environment in particular. Um, right. And so even in this complex year, their uh, organizations can actually experience and subsectors can experience overall growth. 
and that there are opportunities for nonprofits of all different sizes to actually um, take uh, from this report what the current climate is, but also how they can plan and prepare for a more, uh, perhaps more uncertain landscape, but also realize that with um, with a lot of change comes an opportunity to innovate and to grow and to think about doing things differently. There are lots of opportunities out there, especially with engaging younger donors and um, donors of all different levels. Right. Uh, you mentioned the, the growth in foundations and, and corporate. Are those um, giving trends even more highly correlated to the economy than individuals? So um, if you take foundations, foundations didn't have any tax reform uh, types of shifts. There weren't any uh, tax um, policy shifts that would directly impact foundations. In fact, uh, you might think of foundations as they tend to use sometimes a two, three-year rolling average. So they also have to look at cumulatively how the economy has been performing. So a strong economy and then a stock market measured over several years, which has grown quite rapidly over time, can be really good uh, for foundations. And that's what we saw in this year. Corporations also had a, a favorable tax environment with the Tax Cut and Jobs Act actually improving um, incentives for corporations in terms of they have more disposable income in right. their coffers and have more resources available to actually invest in their communities. Um, not all companies may choose to invest those new resources in philanthropy. They may choose to invest in their employees um, and also uh, reinvest in the company itself. But that also presents um, different types of opportunities for nonprofits because in addition to corporate philanthropy, uh, many companies are expanding their employee engagement options. They're introducing, you know, dollars for doers programs and volunteering expansion and also sponsorship and marketing opportunities with nonprofits. Yeah, you know, um, the in the report it breaks down how much is kind of giving and versus in kind, and corporates giving is is up as well. It's not just that they were donating more stuff; like the actual dollars were also increased, which is is a, is a positive thing. And obviously, their stock prices, you know, especially if they're publicly traded, and foundations hold a lot of assets, so economy grows, then they grow. So that that kind of makes sense. Um, so those are some of the interesting things kind of that, that stood out to me. Are there any other interesting things that really jumped out to you or, uh, you know, things for us to look out for maybe coming into next year's report? I think the main um, takeaway as far as what we can take from the report and also looking ahead is that uh, we are living in a more complex environment and that for many nonprofits, really understanding how the economy affects giving, but also how some of these um, new public policy initiatives have an impact on donors. And then finally, looking for opportunities to uh, build and uh, foster relationships with donors, some of the same things that uh, I think matter in all um, all years, which is building meaningful relationships with donors matters now more than ever, and that mm. there are new tools uh, that nonprofits um, may use. One thing that we've learned from Giving USA is when we dig a little bit deeper into the information about the subsectors and the areas that are performing well, they're really because they're tying, aligning 
their uh, mission, their issues that they're working on with what donors are interested in. And then they're using some of the new tools, whether there's a technology-based or others, to build new platforms and, and new opportunities of engagement. So they're sort of uh, some time-tested strategies that work regardless. But in this environment where there's certainly quite a bit that's shifting, um, there is a bit of a, a need to innovate and to stay ahead in terms of understanding where donors are and how to best reach them. Right. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And, you know, the interesting thing, we do a lot of, um, you know, research on the giving experience where we make donations and assess the communication and things like that. And what we've found, especially in the last few years, is that the environment sector in particular is one that is almost always a standout. Uh, so not that that's the, the cause or the reason for $12.7 billion in giving to that vertical, but it, it's interesting to see at a very high level this, this uh, subsector growing. And then on a more micro level, we see that they do a really good job of online fundraising and online communication. And so there's got to be some correlation there as well, which is kind of interesting Exactly, to, to exactly. See. And that's what we have seen both if you look at the subsectors that are doing very well, and I'll just pick out international and the environment because they are – strong performance this year, they certainly, um, if you dig deeper into the uh, chapters for Giving USA, in addition to those numbers, there are the uh, deeper dives in the chapters by subsector. We see a lot of, as you said, organizations um, that are uh, using new engagement tools, they're innovating, they're building uh, new ways of linking what they do with what donors care about. And some of that um, is what most organizations do, but we certainly see that in the high growth uh, subsectors and um, donor uh, experience. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking some time and breaking down the report a little bit more. Um, where can people actually find out more about the report and you? Excellent. Well, uh, to find out more about the report, it's uh, givingusa.org. Uh, the reports are available there. Uh, in addition, the Lilly Family School of Philanthropy has its own website, philanthropy.iupui.edu. And we have a standalone website called generosityforlife.org that has um, extensive information, very comprehensive on patterns of giving in America and by region, because we've been talking at a very high level, but these uh, trends are also unfolding in various parts of the country in different ways. So worth uh, paying attention to those as well. Awesome. Yeah, those are great resources and we'll be sure to uh, check those out continually, but also send them out and make sure people will uh, dive deeper into the data. And so thank you so much for all your work uh, shedding so much light on what's going on in, in our space and our sector. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Hey, this is Brady, and I just want to say thank you for listening to the Generosity Freak Show. If you want to get all future episodes, please be sure to subscribe at generosityfreakshow.com, or you can just search the Generosity Freak Show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to hear from you. So if you have comments, questions, feedback, you can email us at podcast at next after. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, the Generosity Freak Show is produced by Next After, where I work. It, Next After is an online fundraising research lab that works with nonprofits to help them grow their online fundraising. And our mission is to unleash the most generous generation in the history of the world. You can learn more about us and what we're up to and see our latest research at nextafter.com. 
Lastly, this show would not be possible without my co-host, Tim Kachuriak, and our amazing mixologist and producer, Nathan Hill. So many, many thanks to them. So thank you again for listening, and we will see you next week. <laughs>